Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I'm your host, Tatiana Berende, and today I have with me Bez Stone. I'm really excited to have her here. Uh, We are going to be discussing how to save your relationship, which is a a very nuanced topic, and we're going to dive into some really interesting trajectories today around it. Let me tell you a little bit about Bez before we get started. Bez Stone is a Stanford-educated writer, a certified sex coach, and an authority in women's sex and sexuality. She is sought after nationally by couples, women, and groups, and has helped thousands of people reclaim sexual passion and connection. She was one of the first speakers to say clitoris on the TEDx stage and has strong opinions about foreplay and everything else to do with women and sex. She lives with her family in the California Bay Area. Welcome to the show, Bez. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So before we dive into all of these juicy topics that we have before us today, um, will you tell our listeners what your superpowers are? Yeah, I love that question. So the three superpowers that I want to state right now are one, my curiosity. I have a huge capacity for investigating um, things that are happening in my life, wondering why they're happening, wondering about the possibilities of them, getting curious about other people, in particular, my partner, my kids. And that's definitely one of my superpowers. Another superpower of mine is my ability to change. I can change on a dime, make a total 180, pivot, disrupt, you know, whatever the, the current jargon is about that. That is how I was created. And I can change uh, very easily, which has led me down all sorts of incredible twists and turns in my life, my relationships, and my career. Mm -hmm. And the third one is that I have a really big appetite. (laughs) (laughs) And I believe that having a big appetite is one of the most um, misunderstood superpowers, particularly for women. Uh, and we can talk, you know, lots more about that because I do think it has a lot to do with our topic as well. Yeah. Can you um, say a little more about that right now? Yeah. Well, it's one of the the things that I believe is really native for um, the feminine. You know, I don't know how you how you talk about gender on this podcast, but for those of us who identify as women or who identify more with the feminine aspect of of the universe having an appetite uh, is inherent to who we are. We want to experience life. We like to eat. You know, we want to feel, we want to engage with the world. And, and in general, and having a big appetite is a marker of wanting things. Mm-hmm. And wanting things is one of the primary ways that I believe that we can help our lives, our relationships, and help ourselves feel more fulfillment. I think that desire um, and the desire inherent in this, this, I have a big appetite, I want more, I want better, um, is actually really fundamental for creating the kind of changes that someone who's wanting to save their relationship um, might be after. I love you so much. And I love, <laughs> <laughs> like, truly, <Thanks. laughs> that is like one of the best things I think anyone has ever said. On the show. 
Um, I love it. It's true. Oh, truth-telling. That's my yeah. fourth superpower. Yeah, well, because it totally turns... Um, it turns this idea, you know, that is rampant in the spiritual community about desire being a bad thing from, mm-hmm. you know, um, I know that is totally a place that I have gotten stuck in my journey um, because I've been exposed to so many teachings along the path that have this underlying message. I mean, I've also been exposed to other teachings um, that I tend to gravitate towards more that talk mm-hmm. about we're actually going to be doing a, a Facebook live on it today about, about oh, cool. hedonism as a spiritual path. Um, but yeah, I, so I, I just love that you said all of that. So mm. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that I really believe in. I, um, I, I get that on multiple fronts, most of us have been trained away from knowing what we want even, and certainly from saying what we want. We've been trained away from it when it comes to food and that having a big appetite, literally physically for food and the consequences of having a big appetite are not viewed as favorable in our society, especially for women. So there's a constant message that most of us, I I feel grateful that this is changing, but that most of us or many of us inherited from a young age that, you know, being thin is better, um, being less demanding is better, wanting less is better, sort of being moderate. When it comes to food, but also to um, your desires, whatever they may be. Yeah. And from my perspective, as you know, a, a tracker of great relationships and also a teacher of sex, you wanting something is, like I said, it's the, it's the most helpful thing you could ever do for your life. Mm-hmm. Because in the absence of having a desire, like nothing happens. <laughs> There's no... There's nowhere to orient, right? Instead of creating um, fulfillment for yourself and for your partner and in your relationship, then what happens for me at least and what I've observed in other people is that we go on autopilot. We go on autopilot of what we've seen, what we've heard, what we think is normal, what we think is reasonable. Mm-hmm. And um, while that can be fulfilling, depending on who you are, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking about saving your marriage or your relationship, then most likely that automatic setting is not working for you. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think I just want to throw out there, cause I think there's a difference between having desire and having like attachment to outcome. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And Definitely. I just, I think it's really important to, to name that, you know, cause I, I think one, one creates abundance and, and, fulfillment and another creates a lot of suffering yes i'm so glad you brought that up because on every front that i imagine we're going to touch into today or that we already have even that attachment is unfulfilling and it's also not hot right like (laughs) when it comes to sexuality in particular feeling more attracted to your partner feeling more attractive to your partner desire Raw desire is one of the most attractive things that uh, that I know of, and I have so many funny stories I can tell you about this from working with people um, that are coming to mind right now. Desire is super attractive. It almost always feels good to hear when it's expressed without attachment, and when it's expressed with attachment, it suddenly becomes 
pushy, creepy, demanding, scary. Yeah. You know, we that's the part that, that. Mm-hmm. yeah, that doesn't feel good. So there's that aspect of what you're talking about that I do think is so important to to unpack that there's a big difference between, yeah, I want this and I want this and I better get it, right? Those are very different energies and will yield different results. Yeah. The second piece of that that I think is really important when talking about um, sex in particular and relationship is that there's a huge difference between me acknowledging my desire, feeling it, um, letting it be true, speaking it to myself or even to my partner and acting on that desire. So those are two totally different muscles, right? Mm. It's like, I don't know, chewing and swallowing. Like they're two different parts of the process. That's not a good example. <laughs> See if I can think of a better one. They're two, two parts of something. Um, the difference between desire and chewing and swallowing is that in desire, it, it, the second part is optional, right? right. I have a practice of really saying yes internally to my desire, no matter what it is. Like I let it be true. I may want chocolate cake and I say, God, I really want chocolate cake right now. Like "Mm, that sounds so good. But do I go eat it? Not necessarily. Sometimes, but not always. I then weigh the consequences of, you know, do I actually want to follow through with this or not? And sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I may say, God, I want to stay up all night and you know, have crazy wild sex with you, or I want to divorce you, or I want to have sex with someone else, or, you know, whatever my impulse is that's coming through me. I just want to run away from my children. I don't want to be a mother right now. This happens mm-hmm. for me often. Yeah. And I let that be true, right? Rather mm-hmm. than fight it and think, oh, bad Bez, like slap, and you shouldn't think that. You know, I did. Like, that's what happened. I let it be true. But then the choice point I have of, you know, whether I actually follow through with that is, they're not is completely different than, um, you know, having the desire itself. And I think why this matters so much for me and why it comes up around this topic is that usually in my experience of working with thousands of couples, when couples are struggling or when one person's struggling or is aware that they're struggling in a relationship, almost always there's a big backlog of unexpressed desire. Mm-hmm unexpressed truth of all kinds, but particularly unexpressed desire. And it's so often I hear that um, people of all genders don't want to say what our desire is because we're afraid. We're afraid it'll offend our partner. We're afraid that we can't have it. So what's the point in speaking it? Mm-hmm. We're afraid that it's going to ruin our lives. We're afraid, ironically, that it's going to ruin our relationship, even when our relationship isn't working that well for us to begin with yeah okay we're totally going to dive into this more we do have to go to a a quick break before we do but obviously there's a lot to um discuss here and i just want to reiterate how much i love you um (laughs) (laughs) i love you too (laughs) um thank you before we go to break will you tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you and your work and what you're up to yeah, sure. So you can go find me on the web at bezstone.com. That's B-E-Z, my first name, Bez, last name, stone.com. You can also find me on Facebook. Um, I'm active there and I enjoy talking with people. I work with couples. Uh, I do private coaching and run programs that support couples in having extraordinary sex, particularly if sex is the thing. 
that's causing you problems in your relationship, that's where I come in. I also, like I was telling Tatiana before for the break, just am embarking upon some fiction writing uh, after a big life change that happened for me last summer. So stay tuned for that too. I'm actually working on women's sexual empowerment thrillers. I want to create a whole new genre of, of thrillers. That so excited. Type, types of thrillers. I'm so <laughs> excited. Sexual empowerment genre. thrillers. So yes. stay tuned for that. Yes, totally. Yeah. All right. We're going to awesome. go to break. And when we come back, we're going to unpack more about how to save your relationship. So stay tuned. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you are ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Okay, we're back. Um, so before we went to the break, Buzz, you were talking about desire and, um, and this backlog of unexpressed desire that is one of the, I mean, Please uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard you say that it was one of the most common things that you see when people are really struggling in relationship. When people mm-hmm. come to you and their relationship is on the fritz, there is often this backlog of unexpressed desire. Yes. Um, and I, I loved that you made the distinction um, between being able to express a desire, um, but not necessarily engage it or um or have it be met i think that that is it's like it feels like a linchpin for me Mm. um for people to know that there can be that distinction and that that can be okay yeah i mean that's like like revolutionary yeah it really is it really is revolutionary and and because of that i found that it can create really revolutionary results when we're willing to take a look at what we want. So if someone was a listener, if you're in the situation where you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, wow, I would really love to save my relationship. Um, One of the first places that I would point you towards is to look at what you want, to ask yourself the simple question, what do I want? What do I want instead of what I'm having? Because people come to me, and I'm sure to you as well, Tatiana, and mm-hmm. it's easy to complain, rightfully so, about what isn't working, right? You're in pain, you're, in, you're suffering, you're worried, you're scared for your future. This relationship that is so important um, is not working. And I've been there, and I know the heartbreak and the real agony of that experience for myself when this primary part of me occupies you know 90% of my energy is now directed at this relationship you know and i and i'm not really able to live when it's not working so the first place to start is to really ask concretely like what do i want instead of what i'm having right now yeah and i and, want to, i want to interject here for a minute because what i have seen is oftentimes it's like well i want 
them, I want my partner to stop doing X, Y, Z. And it's always about like what it, it, it hinges on another person's action. Mm -hmm. And, and so just encouraging the listener right now to frame it in like, like what you want. I want to feel loved and appreciated by my partner. What makes me feel loved and appreciated by my partner? Sort of like breaking it down, um, putting a little bit less power in the hands of the other, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 So I agree that that um, landing on like what I want for, for myself, what I want to experience, what I want to create is certainly like the master move, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's and it's a skill that gets honed the more we practice, right? It took me decades to really be able to answer the question, what do I want? And sometimes I still can't answer, right? right? I have a practice where I talk to a different girlfriend every morning for five minutes and we only say what we want to each other. Mm-hmm. We just ask, what do you want? What do you want? What else do you want? And we don't edit it and we let ourselves um, just speak freely. So I really appreciate it. And, and, um, think it's essential to to eventually end up on you know what do I want to create in in a a self-authorship sort of way Mm -hmm. and because I'm a lover of um the unknown and the involuntary and like the messy aspects of life that often come up with relationship I also encourage for people who have a lot of that backlog where there is more sort of what you might judge as catty desires in there those can actually be really helpful by clearing the way to, to feel what you really do want. Mm. Because I know for myself, um, in some of the more toxic relationships I've been in, the, the only thing I could think of at the beginning is, I want my partner to stop drinking. You know, I want him to stop looking at other women. You know? And I couldn't really get to, I want to feel loved and adored. I want to feel safe. You know, I want to create more magic with my partner mm-hmm. before I sort of siphoned those off. You know? mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so in this backlog, one of the things that's really dear for me is honoring that desire, your desire and my desire doesn't have a filter. Right? It doesn't, it's not appropriate. It doesn't really um, think in those terms. So I find a lot of value in, like we said, allowing, um, you know, sort of this, this, this faucet to sort of guzzle out, especially at the beginning when we haven't been talking about desire for a long time. And we don't even ever have to tell anyone those, right? You can just write them down privately. You don't have mm-hmm. to act on them. They're not enlightened, you know. One of the, one of the greatest examples of this that um, I remember in, in learning about this and teaching it was sort of the, the, the seemingly uh, superficial desire of, you know, I want to lose weight. So that my ex-husband feels jealous of me. You know, so my ex-husband's <laughs> new wife feels jealous of me. Okay, so we would think that's not a very spiritual desire. You know, you shouldn't have that desire. But I really call BS on that. I think that to the sort of um, you know innocent part of us that's that's hurt and again that is unedited, that isn't enlightened, that isn't trying so hard. Like that's very real, right? Most of us have felt that before, right? To some or, or that feeling. And those desires can actually point towards deeper truths for ourselves. I don't think anyone, I mean, this may not be true. There's probably someone that wants to orient their life around losing weight to make their ex jealous, but most of us probably don't, right? That's not a good life goal. 
<laughs> but it can point towards something. And when it, when it's, when, when you, when you give it voice and you say, okay, thanks, I'm not going to follow you, but that's real cute that you want that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you for speaking. What's next? You know, I think that's how we begin to get in touch with ourselves by really um, seeking the deeper truth and not editing, you know, the, the backlog on top. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. And so when you're working with couples and you're um, unpacking these desires, do you encourage them to share them with each other or not? Well, it really depends on, you know, what type of relationship that they want. I believe that there's, you know, infinite possibilities when it comes to style and quality of connection. I know for myself, I share everything significant with my partner. So mm -hmm. any significance, thoughts, actions, desires, details um, that I experience, think, feel, or do throughout the day, I tell him as quickly as possible. And that's our, my agreement with myself. And the reason I do that is because I want to have a relationship where I, I can be um, fully me and where he can be fully him and where there's no concealment, concealment between us. Mm -hmm. um, because concealment, I judge to be one of the, it, it breaks intimacy, right? When we're concealed, we actually can't have the intimacy, right? I remember when I, this dawned on me at some point in the last 10 years, where I was like, oh, I'm hiding behind a wall. Like, he can't touch me. And that's, mm -hmm. I'm doing that. You know, like that's, I, I, my protective strategy is totally not working, you know? And so, just to um, point back a little bit to what you were saying about, you know, trying to keep the desires not blame oriented. I also have a policy of zero blame in our relationship. Mm -hmm. So the types that I, I could reveal a thought that says, and, and we've been doing this for a long time. So if you're just starting out telling the truth, you know, we can talk about some strategies for how to learn to stay and hear the truth. But I could reveal something like, God, I just... I don't want to be, I don't want to be married to you today or man, I don't, I don't want to sleep with you tonight. I don't want to sleep by myself. I just have this impulse to go like hide in my sleeping bag and closet and be alone. You know, I could say something like that because that would be an actual thought I have. Um, but I've found that my, um, you know, my deeper truth is almost never about him. It's almost never like, well, you did this, so I'm going to the closet now. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't believe that that's not exactly what we're talking about here. The kind mm -hmm. of blame game um, is different than the actual I want, right? Starting with I want is a pretty good indicator. So back to your question, depending on sort of what level of intimacy the couple is after, I, uh, I advocate for, for different, you know, different styles. I think it's always helpful to start being honest with ourselves about what we want. That can actually be, yeah. you know, another really hard step to say, I want something different than what I have. I, I don't even know what that is, but what I know is I want something different. Okay, what, you know, what might that different thing look like? What do I, what's something I complain about in my current relationship that's always a really good place to look for desire. There's gold in your complaints. Okay, I'm complaining that he doesn't pay enough t attention to me. He ignores me. He watches TV all the time. He's, he drinks too much. He's, you know, he's not focused on me. I don't feel beautiful around him. He doesn't look at me anymore. Each of those can be turned then into desire. I really want more of his attention. 
I want to feel gorgeous. You know, I want to have quality time every night where we, we're really connected with each other. And like we spoke about at the very beginning of the podcast, hearing those kinds of desires almost always feels good. So I would encourage someone to say them. Honey, I really want more of your attention. You know, I want to create time where we spend you know, half an hour together at night, like really connecting because I want this relationship to be the greatest thing in my life. I want to feel really excited about us again. You yes. know, that yeah. people usually like to hear that unless mm-hmm. they don't want to be together anymore. But if your partner wants to be with you, it almost always feels good to hear something like that as opposed to the sort of pseudo, you know, I don't want, like you never. Right, um, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Those things tend to feel bad to hear. And even if your partner loves and adores you, wants to serve you to the end of the world, no one likes being complained at, or very few people do. Right. So, right. Yeah. And, and it can be hard to receive or filter through to what mm-hmm. the, what the um, truth is underneath it. Yeah. Yeah. If we're not doing that, that yeah. step of the work ourselves. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's also, I mean, probably if you're listening to this one, how to save your relationship, you're not in in a, um, in a space where (laughs) I don't want to assume, but um, likely, you know, your relationship isn't one where your partner is holding really awesome space and attention for you to dive into your stuff, no matter how it's coming out of you. Um, Mm -hmm. Or you might not feel a need to save that relationship. (laughs) That's, that's it for, in my opinion, a, a sign of a pretty healthy one um, yeah. that, we can, that we can hold our partners through whatever falling apart they're going through and, um, and let them do that um, so that they can come to the deeper truth of what's actually going on without yeah. just reacting to the surface experience. Um, but that yeah. takes, that takes a lot of work. It takes, that's, that's a, that's a very evolved partnership, but it's also very possible. Um, yeah. So you know, possible. That's what I have with with my husband, and it started out at the very beginning when we were dating of just like you know deciding that um, whatever was coming out, no matter how scary it felt to share, was going to get shared. Mm. And that was kind of a ground rule of communication mm. that we set really early on um, when we were dating that no matter how hard it feels to communicate about, we're going to talk about it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And did you talk about why you decided on that together? Because um, it, it felt, it felt too, um, it felt like too much bullshit. Otherwise mm-hmm. it's like hiding. Like if I'm going to be in a, in a, an intimate partnership with somebody, I need to, like you said earlier, I need to be able to be fully myself. Yeah, I need I need you to know all the parts of me and love them. And even the ugly ones. Like I need you to know that I have ugly parts and love me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and that that just it felt super important from go. Mhm. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, I agree. I I've been I have a history of very torrid, dysfunctional, unhealthy relationships that I've recently changed in the last few years, really, to be honest. And I'm almost, I just turned 40. So it's not too late, just for any (laughs) of you out there listening. Literally, if I can do it, you can do it. Like, if we get to know each other, I can 
tell you some stories about my past. And you might think, oh, well, damn, like if she can do it, I can probably do it. Because I was engaged in incredibly unconscious, violent, destructive, I mean, horrible, really horrible, truly horrible relationships. And for me, it really took a conscious choosing on my part um, to change that, to decide, you know what? I don't want to do that anymore. Like, I don't want to spend my life doing that. I want to know deep intimacy or I want to, um, you know, allow myself to be loved and love fully. And that reorientation, I know because I've been, um, you know, in the real like dark gunk of relationships before can sound to me, at least when I'm there, it sounds so sort of throwaway fluffy, like, Oh, come on. Like I'm suffering here. Like I'm struggling. Like we don't even sleep in the same room anymore. Like we haven't looked each other in the eye in six months. It's like, we don't have meaningful conversations. We have nothing in common. Um, you know, the only reason I'm here is because of our kids. Mm-hmm. Like I totally get that. And I've been there and I know lots of people who've been there. I've worked with people who've been there. And like we spoke about a bit ago, you know, step number one in that kind of a situation is, it's just really the, the fundamental building blocks of, you know, what do you want? Like, do you want to stay with this person and find a way to make it work? Do you want to leave? Do you not really want to be with them anymore? And I realize those are like huge, scary questions. Yeah. But ones that, you know, if, if you want out of your pickle, like if you actually want to get out of um, the agony that you're in, like you have to answer that question. Like you have to be able to answer that. And so as scary as it may be, I'm really an advocate for, uh, you know, have posted above my desk. Have you seen the movie We Bought a Zoo? It's a Matt Damon movie. It's super no. cute. I don't watch a ton of movies, but it's really cute. My partner showed it to me like a couple months ago. And I'm probably going to misquote it because I don't have it in front of me. But he says something like, all you need sometimes is 20 seconds of just insane, embarrassing courage, mm. bravery to cha- completely change your life. Like, mm. I swear to you, just 20 seconds of courage will do something radically, you know, transformative for your life. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, for those of us who have ever faced this, like, oh my God, I want to save my marriage and really faced that giant wall of um, the problems that we've created, that we've let slide under the rug, that we've tolerated, ignored, glossed over, um, you know, analyzed or rationalized away that I invite you to, you know, think of that. Cause I think of it often like, okay, 20 seconds of courage to really ask myself, um, you know, what do I want here? Like, do I want to, do I want to save this? Okay. How do, do I want it to look, you know, what, what isn't working for me? What do I want instead? Like to actually um, be brave enough to do that. I know will start moving you in, in a new direction. That's what I can guarantee. It may not be comfortable, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it likely, not, there, it likely know, won't there's be. instant fix, <laughs> yeah. but it will definitely, you'll start moving. And for me and my temperament, stagnancy and that feeling of being stuck in a rut, not seeing a way out, feeling helpless is absolutely, you know, one of my least favorite feelings. So 
Yeah. Um, if nothing else, you know, accessing my desire always has me feel more in motion and more open to possibility, yeah. which feels good no matter what's happening around me. Totally. I, I, a role I find myself playing often with clients is just reminding them that they can always leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like sometimes just that is enough to spark a desire to make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seeing that actually like this is, this is an agreement and it's voluntary and at any point yeah. you can choose to change it. Um, sometimes we forget that Yeah. because we make yes. these commitments and like, you know, there's other people involved and there's kids involved or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but, and it, and it does, it takes a tremendous amount of courage. Um, I think, especially if you have children to even entertain the possibility. Yeah, it sure and does. Yet. Um, it, I believe can lead to total liberation because then, because then you are in awareness that you are in a choice. Yes. You are choosing to stay. And if you're choosing to stay, then you get to choose to make it work. And there's a lot of power in that. You're not a victim to your circumstance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So important. Yeah. That shift is so fundamental. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we're coming to the end of our time. And before we do, just because it's in your bio and I really think it's fun to talk about, I want <laughs> <laughs> and because that was the other topic that we didn't do. Um, I really want um, our guests to hear your strong opinions on foreplay. Okay. Because <laughs> it I might just help save them. your relationship. It might help save your relationship. It's true. So I do find that a, a strong majority of the time when relationships need saving sex is either um a big part of the struggles between them or they've stopped having sex or have not enough sex for their desire and that's not helping anything one of the reasons that i believe and that i teach couples who come to me about why people stop having sex is that sex over time um, based on a whole lot of factors that you know are beyond the scope of the few minutes we have here left, but that I'm happy to talk about more if anyone's interested. Um, transitions from being something you know fun and exploratory and light and exciting to something obligatory. So a lot of the couples who come to me, and I've been here myself, talk about sex feeling more like a to-do list item that they check off once a week, like, whew, we did it. Okay, we're normal. We're okay, it's been three days. <laughs> I did it. I'm good. I'm a good woman. You know, he's like, I'm so hot. Like, we're, we're happy, I guess. This is what happiness means, right? That we have sex every three days or every two weeks or whatever your internal timeline is that you inherited from probably a strange source. <laughs> That's what sex has become. And when sex turns into a chore that we, you know, get done in order to feel like good people, then it's, it, well, that is, there's an end game to that strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually, you know, depending on how deep into that strategy people are, can be a matter of years, weeks, or days even, because um, that does not work for the long term to create true happiness or connection or to keep both parties interested in having sex. Because we don't tend to want to do chores, but we like to do things that feel good and are fun and are um, exciting. So, really quickly, my strong opinion about foreplay is that um god how to talk about this in like one minute but i was telling before the call like i love the content of what we call foreplay 
you know, we somehow have decided to delineate sex completely arbitrarily between everything that comes before penetration and then penetration. And I do away with that. I don't like that. I feel a lot of pressure in that ecosystem. Mm -hmm. I think then, oh, we have to, we have to reach this goal of intercourse and like he has to come. And then like, if I'm lucky, I come and then that's like sex. And that is really depressing for me. Um, (laughs) So I I don't believe in foreplay because it it is a binary system where there's like pre-sex and sex. And the only point of pre-sex is to like warm her up so she's ready. And I think that's completely insulting to a woman's sexual desire. Um, I don't like that. And I don't like have sex like that. I don't advocate that you do either. Unless you like that, you know, you do what you want, but I don't, I don't like (laughs) to see it that way. So instead what I do is I get into bed with my partner and we just do whatever we want, right? We do what feels right. We sort of let it evolve. Sometimes, I mean, we can, we can talk about sex on this podcast, right? Uh, Tatiana. It is. Okay, okay, great. (laughs) Sometimes we just have intercourse immediately. Like there's no, what, what anyone would call foreplay. Like, I'm just like, let's go. Like, I'm ready. I'm excited. Like it's, it's hot and it's animal and it's passionate. And that's sort of the temperature of the water that day. It was boiling, you know, from the beginning and and great. And other times that's not the case at all. And we just like breathe together and, you know, I cry. (laughs) Like we fall asleep (laughs) and I consider that sex. And I know that's radical, but I really do. Like we had a moment of connection. We were Mm -hmm. intimate. We opened the door to sex and we said, hey, sex, if you want to come out, like we're ready to party. Sometimes sex doesn't want to come out like, or it comes out in ways that we don't think are typical. Mm-hmm. So for me and my, my style of fulfillment and expression and what brings me satisfaction is really opening that door, allowing my sexual expression to like do whatever it wants in that moment and then closing the door and, and then doing it again whenever I feel like doing that again. Which means that um, while I may engage in things like, you know, whatever, like kissing, touching each other's bodies, oral sex, like massage, whatever, it's not, um, I don't see it as preliminary anymore. I don't use it to take us towards intercourse. Um, Like, I, I just don't, I don't enjoy that. I tend to be in my head. I tend to feel stiff. I tend to be thinking a lot, like, okay you know, when does this end? When does intercourse start? Do I want to have sex? Like, what is sex? Why am I here? Like, who is my partner? (laughs) Where's my laundry? Like, ah, my kids are sleeping. Are they like tomorrow? I just, I'm gone. Like I'm not present. And why have sex if I'm not present? So that's my quick few minute explanation of my strong opinions about foreplay. I love it. And obviously that's a whole episode in and of itself. Which I'd love mm-hmm. to back to talk about at some point. Yeah, I would um, love to. That'd be great. I think that would be super fun. Um, but I just want to thank you so much. I think this was a really juicy conversation. Um, I'm sure our listeners got a lot out of it. Again, we've been talking with Bez Stone about how to save your relationship. You can go to bezstone.com, B-E-Z-S-T-O-N-E.com to find out more about her and her work. And um, and her upcoming books, which I'm yes. super excited about this new genre that you're going to create. I've been meeting some novels to read, Bez. So thank good. You. Thank I want to provide for your need. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to our listeners, thank you so much. 
Um, I love you. And until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many, many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.